Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. We're going to talk with B.J. Tanksley today about the developments over at the state capitol in Jefferson City as we wind down the last two weeks of session. So let's get started. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs, and he's had quite a bit going on as we wind down to the very end of the legislative session here in Jefferson City. B.J., thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. It has been a big week in the state capitol. A lot of priorities moving. Um, It's that time of year, and it's an exciting time to be around the capitol. Well, just a couple days ago was one of the most exciting nights you've probably had in this job. Uh, we, uh, We saw some movement in the Senate on Senate Bill 391. Uh, which was uh, is a bill that's carried by Mike Burnscutter here from Jefferson City. And can you um, first tell us a little bit of background on what the bill is and, and what happened on uh, on that bill? Yeah, so Senate Bill 391 is a bill that we've talked about a little bit. It is to um, put, put reasonable restrictions on county health ordinances that say they cannot put an ordinance in place that is more restrictive or outside of the rules put forth by uh, Missouri Department of Natural Resources. Um, And so that's what the bill does. It basically says that these counties that have tried to go on a county-by-county basis in the name of local control have really ordinanced out or zoned out agriculture operations in their county um, that that these would not be allowed to happen. Um, And so we were were strong advocates for this issue. Um, The other side argues local control, but we know that what has happened in the past is when an operation wants to come to a county, um, those that don't want to see large animal agriculture happening at all go in and use ordinances that have been used by other counties. They don't make them specific to that county. They don't change it for the type of topography. They just put in place what kept it from happening in County X. Mm -hmm. And so this is to say we aren't going to move forward like that. The state will have a stable, normal, science-based set of regulations. And if those regulations should change, they should change for everyone. You know, we don't see vastly different environmental standards around the state because these don't make a difference in the state. They just don't let agriculture happen in certain areas. So we did have a great night. Uh, Senate Bill 391 was debated a couple weeks ago, um, and then we got some more time on the floor Monday night. We had a large number of agriculture advocates there to be a part of it. Um, I was glad to see a lot of our friends were there in the Capitol with us to watch it as it happened. Now, that debate did wage on for quite a while. It was fun. I think we started sometime around 7.45 um, and wrapped up just short of 12 hours later uh, Tuesday morning. That's not unusual in the Senate when when you're dealing with big issues. Um, We did work through several changes offered by people from the other side. Uh, We had a senator who wanted to have a joint committee to look at issues involving agriculture. So this will be a committee that's formed by the bill um, for the next uh, several years that will come together and look at issues involving agriculture. Uh, Where's agriculture's input on the the environment? Um, Allow allow citizens from around the state to come in and talk about the impact of large animal operations in their areas. And so that'll be a good, good way to vet some of these issues. Um, So we agreed to that. And then as well, um, as we got into the late morning hours or early morning hours, I should say, um, there was an amendment added, uh, which really got us across the finish line that would say for those um, large operations that are sending their fertilizer out, um, those that are applying that don't own um, should have some reasonable restrictions. So if you're uh, applying topically, um, you need to be far enough from water sources and things like that. Some simple regulations 
uh, we did have a lot of our row crop advocates right there with us that said, you know, that's not typically what's being done anyway. Our people aren't applying right up to the water's edge or anywhere around a groundwater source. Um, so these are reasonable, reasonable restrictions, but we did agree to that in order to get the bill across the finish line. So there was some give and take throughout the process, but in the end, we ended up with a, a great win in the Senate. Um, but as everybody knows, that was just the beginning, or not just the beginning, it was a huge step. But there is a whole other step to the process, which is getting it through the House. And the Senate did vote on it uh, Thursday morning on the final passage in the Senate, correct? Yeah. So we took up the bill. Uh, they have to perfect and then third read the vote. The perfection happened early Tuesday morning. And, and just this morning, which is Thursday, um, they did third read the bill by a vote of 23 um, to 11. So that's a strong show of support. That is a More really strong zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were excited to see that. You know, it wasn't a straight party line vote. Uh, we have some from both sides who did cross across. So we were excited to see that. But a strong showing of support um, just goes to show. And I want to give a big shout out to all of the Missouri Farm Bureau members and other agriculture advocates who came into the Capitol to be a part of this process. You know, throughout, whether it was Farm Bureau's Capital Connection, the Cowboys in the Capitol with the cattlemen, and then our rallies that we've held a Along the way, we have had tons and tons of agriculturalists come in and visit with legislators to disprove what the other side likes to say, which is this is factory farming and it's not family farms. Our members from around the state came to the Capitol and said, we want strong science-based statewide regulation for our family farms because we know that's what this protects most. This will allow the next generation to come back to the farm. You know, you don't have to have 100 acres to, in order to run an operation if you're able to do it right. And we can uh, produce food for the future in great science-based ways and still be protective of the environment at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, we, we saw a lot of that support uh, coming out in, in, in force, in person, of our members and many others, uh, many other farmers coming to the Capitol. The, the Census of Agriculture came out a couple weeks ago, and it showed that 96% of Missouri farms are still family-owned. Um, that's a overwhelming number, and I think that the opponents um, really play up that extra 4% as though it's the majority uh, of agriculture, but it really is not the truth. Yeah, they really like to make a boogeyman out of if you have an LLC at the end of not, end of your 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 formation of your company, you mm -hmm. know, or if you integrate with another with another business, you know. But those are individual decisions, you know. I have no problem, and other nobody in Farm Bureau does with how you decide to to raise your livestock or your produce. Mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure that all options are on the table that work for all individuals. Every market every farmer works for his own market. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want to make sure that counties are making those decisions for farmers based on the geography of where they where they where they own land. Yeah, absolutely. It makes yeah. a, makes no difference if you uh, choose a form of corporate structure just uh, to run your books yeah, and exactly. and make sure you're taking care of the business side. That doesn't mean that you're now GM or some foreign corporation. Without a doubt. And no, you said that this was probably the most exciting day. Um, it's not a long time, but yeah, in, in a few years that I've been here, this was definitely the most exciting day we've seen in the Capitol. A big shout out again to all of our members. And this is really, it can't be undersold how important it was that all of agriculture came together. All of mainstream agriculture organizations came together for this issue. Mm -hmm. We've all made this our top priority this session. And that is a large reason of why we were able to get done. You know, we all have our own relationships relationships in the capital. We all have our own areas where we're the strongest. And we could, I don't think everybody would agree, we could not have done this without each other. And this has been a strong showing of support for everybody and a real strong stance for agriculture. Improves 
uh, what we can do when we all stand together. So what are the remaining steps with the bill? Yeah. So um, today we were third read. We will make it to the House. And in the next uh, in the next few days, we expect to see a House hearing. So you'll, you'll be, we'll be heard in the House Agriculture Committee, then move to the Rules Committee. And then when we go to the House, we only have to go to the House floor one time. So that third reading is when any amending or non would happen. And then hopefully, uh, without any changes, proceed to the governor's desk. So there are a, a series of steps, um, two different committee um, considerations, and then House floor. Um, and the governor has voiced his support. We did see. We have seen support from the governor's office. We saw a, kind of a pat on the back to agriculture when we got it across the floor that uh early Tuesday morning. Sorry, my days get mixed up when you start talking whether it was <laughs> when Monday you don't night sleep. or Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are seeing some support from the governor's office and appreciate that very much so. And seeing some support from the House. You know, we are hearing the good things when we get there, um, but we're still going to go through the process and not take anything for granted. We will show our support. We will make our arguments and then take that to the floor. You mentioned the rallies that we've uh, had with some of our members over yeah. the past few weeks. The other half of those rallies was really relating to another bill, which is House Bill 1062. And uh, that's the one that uh, involves eminent domain and trying to rein that in, curtail some abuses of that uh, eminent domain authority. Where do we stand with that bill? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great segue. You're getting really good at this, but um, <laughs> House Bill 1062 is absolutely right. Um, if if there was a sec- if there was the next best thing for us, it is House Bill 1062 as far as importance for this session, um, and that is an eminent domain bill uh, protecting property rights. And House Bill 1062 was heard in the Senate Commerce Committee this week on Wednesday. It was heard um, and and had a strong hearing again where we had advocates from both sides um, talking. About about the issues involving the bill. On one hand, you have Missouri communities who have been promised cheap power in order for this corporation to get the power of eminent domain. And on the other hand, you have the landowners who are going to be impacted by this decision. And so um, approximately 500 landowners across across northern Missouri from St. Joseph over towards Monroe City um, are going to be forced to be a part of this project, whether they like it or not. Now, there may be some who freely sign on to it, but others, because of the PSC's decision, would be forced to give up their land through the use of eminent domain. And um, we don't think that's right. Missouri Farm Bureau members don't think that's right. And we would like to see the uh, legislature um, fix the wrong in this. You know, um, the PSC made a decision, but the truth of the matter is this is a brand new type of corporation we're looking at. Um, When we've dealt with who could use eminent domain before, it's always been someone producing energy from the state wanting to serve people of the state. So that's kind of a clean-cut situation. Um, This corporation doesn't even plan to produce the energy. They're going to take it from other companies producing it and hoping to cross a few states to sell it into the eastern grid. Um, And so uh, we don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the real goal here is to make profits off of cheap energy from Kansas into high-paying residents of the east. Um, and we don't. We want them to make sure that they're paying just compensation if they cross the state of Missouri. We're not saying you can't do the project, but we do want to make sure that you uh, are compensating those people right. And the truth is, we know if they have the power of eminent domain, um, if I come to the negotiating table with you and I have that in my back pocket, you know it as well as I do, and, and that negotiation is going to go completely different than if that's not the case. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so where do we stand um, 
with that bill, what are the chances of it getting finalized here? So, yeah, it passed the House, um, what was that, a couple weeks ago. So now it's been heard in the Senate. Uh, we need to get that vote in the Senate. Now, um, the Senate committee is scheduled to meet again Monday, uh, shortly prior to session. We would hope that they will vote it out of committee at that point. We expect that to happen, to be completely honest. Um, and then at that point, it is primed to make it to the Senate floor. Um, on the Senate floor, um, we'll, we'll have to have that debate and make our arguments. Um, but we, we are, for all intents and purposes, we are two steps from making it, sending that to the governor's office, governor's desk as well. This time of year, though, there's lots of things that are, that are at that point. I will say this is a top priority of the Missouri House. Um, and this is the same thing we brought in over 500 people to come in and rally on. We've been talking about this property rights issue for a long time. When you really break this down, it gets real complicated if you want to get into the weeds. But when you break this down, this is whether or not a private company who wants to make profits should be able to have the power of eminent domain in the state of Missouri. When they're not even really providing a, a real utility service like, you know, an Ameren or something absolutely that actually not. serves a, a large area. Yeah, yeah absolutely not. And, and one one thing that's great to point out, because the other side is we're serving some communities. Well, sure they are. Not one single one of those communities is actually even going to be able to see this line. Mm -hmm. Not a single community that actually lies along this line um, will be able to get any of the cheap power from it. And they're not really serving them. They're just selling a little bit of power to the people who are serving them. That's exactly and right. And that's a lot different than actually operating a utility. That's exactly right. And, and what I liken it to uh, in a conversation earlier was this is like a road going through your property that you're not allowed to drive on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but we're going to make Make you house this road, but you can't even touch it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of Missouri, you know, when we talk about our normal utilities, we may not like the poles or the lines going through, but the truth of the matter is we know it's serving us and or our neighbors, so it's necessary. This is in no way necessary to the people of those areas. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the uh, um, one of the other hot topics in the Capitol is the discussion about the uh, transportation funding uh, proposal that the governor put out early in the session during his State of the State address. And it's um, morphed a little bit, changed some forms, and um, hope, I think there's some some optimism that may actually, uh, they may get a, a final proposal done and, and passed. Uh, what do you see with that? Yeah, I think we're getting really close on that. Uh, you know, transportation funding's always been something we're talking about. You and I have talked about it a ton. Um, but at this point, it does look like um, we're going to get a, the transportation bonding issue resolved. Um, what wasn't so widespread was when that bonding plan was initially laid out, we didn't necessarily know, but MoDOT was also using that idea as part of an infra grant with the with the federal government to try to bring some money back to replace the Rocheport Bridge. Now, that Rocheport Bridge is a massive project. Um, but that infogrant would make a large chunk towards going towards that project. And they were kind of leveraging that grant or those um, bonding dollars towards that grant. Um, and so it made a lot of sense. If we're getting a, a lot of free money from the federal government plus putting in some of our own, we can get a lot of these local projects done and use it as our, you know, kind of our carrot to bring in those federal dollars. Um, and so at this point, it looks like the House and the Senate are getting really close to coming to a compromise that says we do the bonding if you get the grant. If you don't get the grant, we may not. We probably don't do the bonding. And so um, I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're saying we need this in order to get the grant, then if we don't get the grant, we may not need to have taken on more state debt. It's a very conservative thought process of, hey, let's be careful about taking on state debt. Now, 
the optimist in me says, great, hopefully we get a large amount of federal grant dollars and we do this bonding project. We fix a lot of local bridges, 250 local bridges with those funds, and we fix the Rose Porch Bridge all in one idea. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that happens. You know, on the other side of that coin, we could miss out on a great opportunity. Uh, but if we don't give it a try, we don't let it happen. Um, I testified in front of the House um, Budget Committee when they considered it this week. And my message to them and my message to everybody is this is a great idea. This will really be a large influx of money into Missouri's transportation system that's much needed. But let's not confuse that with fixing the problem. The real problem that MoDOT faces is continually ongoing, not having enough income to cover their actual needs. And this doesn't fix that. Will it feel a lot better for a little while? Yeah, because that needs side of the equation is going to go down. Um, but on the other hand, this doesn't fix us 10 years out being able to pay to keep up I-70 or any kind of improvements or the other things that we talked about all through the Prop D campaign. That long-term st- stable funding source is still going to be needed at some point, mm-hmm. uh, unless we all go to Hyperloop. I, may, <laughs> maybe that's what happens, but, but well, I don't know that 10 years out, we're all there. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah. I've, I've made some bets on that, I think, <laughs> that uh, whether or not that's going to happen. Uh, but we'll see. That yeah. could be interesting. No doubt. <laughs> um, last item we'll touch on today is uh, uh, there is a bill, um, an ag omnibus bill that we've been uh, working with a lot of people on as well. Where are we with that one, too? Yeah, so this kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Somebody, you know, a few weeks ago, is this going to be an ag omnibus? Well, I won't know that I'd call it an ag omnibus, but it does have four or five different pieces in it that are very important to us. It includes some language for the Department of Agriculture allowing them to um, assess fees on, on, on certain merchandising issues. But the main thing that's in that that is important for us, and we were a part of the conversation, is that um, Department of Agriculture funding for um, the Pesticide Industries Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about that before, but the division doesn't have adequate funding moving forward based on the fees that they've currently been bringing in. Many of these fees haven't been addressed in 15, 20 plus years. Um, so we were a part of a joint committee and a process where a lot of agriculturalists and the department and state leaders came together and said, hey, let's look at these fees. Let's make adjustments. Let's look where we can bring them up to the national average of what other states are charging for these same types of services and see where we get the department. Well, we walked through this whole process and came to a bill that will actually provide adequate funding for that division moving forward. Um, as you know, uh, addressing fees is not always a popular thing in the Capitol, but this is something we thought was vital. Um, and luckily enough, it, it looks like we have found a vehicle and a way to get that done uh, where we can address that this year and not put off any longer uh, the department and making sure they have adequate funding um, to meet the state's needs. Because honestly, it's not the department's needs. These people are actually going out um, and servicing you know, uh, seed facilities and feed facilities and inspection services and and um, trade issues. And so this will really help with a lot of the things they do um, and allow them to make some much needed improvements at the same time because we also want to have a good department that has the technology that they need in order to do the best that they can do. Mm -hmm. Very good. So really excited about that. Um, You know, it's not unusual this time of year to see multiple issues ending up on one bill. There are several um, things in there looking at the zoning of 
sawmills um, and some inspection language as well. Um, I don't know that it all gets to stay in the bill, but I do feel strongly that we are going to get a large number of that bill, um, and I feel very confident that we will get that fee addressed before the end of this session. Very good. Well, yeah, we're excited about it. In session, uh, when is the final day of that? The 17th, uh, two Fridays from now. I think that makes it the 17th. So like 15 more days. Yeah, it's it's getting really uh, good. It's getting close here, um, and we're all kind of excited about it. This week held two late nights that lasted into the morning the next day. It's just that time of year. Um, everybody's getting a little bit ragged, but this is the time we kind of buckle down. I will say to all of our members out there, um, we've asked a lot of you this session. Thank you for everything you've done. Don't be surprised if we ask you just a couple more <laughs> times. As you can hear, we have a couple bills out there that are vitally important to us. And we'll need you to be on alert for those action alerts or maybe even a call to the Capitol to come testify or a personal call to your legislator and let them know that these two issues, you know, we're really looking at property rights of what you can do on your property and protecting your property from eminent domain on both of these issues. And and don't be surprised to all of our members if you hear us reach out to you and say, hey, please make one more contact. We're going to need your legislator to vote on this issue because um, Luckily, we've got a lot of things moving, and they are very important. Uh, we will see attention on these things in the next couple of weeks, um, but we may need our members too, just as we have. We thank them for everything they've done, but don't be surprised if we need you again. <laughs> well, the, there is an end in sight, at least. That's so, true. Um, only a couple of weeks left to get a, get some rest over as, the weekend. I hope you, you come back you, with a voice. You may be able to hear. Um, I. I did take a slight nap uh, Tuesday morning uh -huh. after the 12-hour debate and woke up with this gift of a voice. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what happened. But. Well, I'm sure you'll have plenty of time to recover as soon as session ends. Yeah, around May 20th, things will feel a lot better. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again for t taking the time to talk with us today. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week. You can follow all of our social media accounts to stay up to date with what is happening on these bills as they make their way towards the finish line. We will talk to you next week.